Yo, Eagles Nation, stand up. Yo, how'd Barkley put it? <laughs> Looking like another grease pole night in Philly. 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 Facts. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Come one, come all to episode 16 of the Grease Pole Podcast. Appreciate you taking part. In this edition, happy Monday as always. You can follow the show at Grease Pole Podcast on Instagram. Subscribe, rate, and review. Every episode available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. New episodes every Monday, unless my day job interferes, which it has the last couple weeks. But, you know, again, subscribe, rate, and review. Get the numbers up, all that good stuff. Maybe I can tell those fuckers to piss up a rope. That would be ideal. So, uh, yeah, appreciate you taking part. In episode 16, it is a good day because after this entire COVID-19 stretch and what is, you know, we're in August now, so it's been five months off the top of my head. I'm terrible at math, but it sounds about right. Way too damn long. We thought we'd be out of this by now. But the first padded practice of 2020 is taking place today at the NovaCare Complex for the birds, so it's a good it's a good day. There's hope. I I would it would be nice if the NFL had a bubble plan in place, but that's a whole other conversation for another day. You see what's happening with Major League Baseball. The Cincinnati Reds have now had a COVID nineteen situation, so that's a fiasco. Baseball is just saying we're going to get to the money. We don't give a damn if we have single A guys out here winning the World Series. We're just get us to the dollars. In the meantime, the NBA is getting all the mainstream attention because we have to suck LeBron off because they have a bubble, but so does hockey, and hockey's killing it as well. It's just nobody gives a shit. You know what I mean? Because hockey constantly flies under the radar. But point being, those bubble sports right now, the NHL, NBA, killing it. Absolutely killing it. Shout out to the Flyers, up two games to one after last night's one nothing, uh ugly, ugly win against the Montreal Canadiens, up 2-1. to one in the series in the quarterfinals of the Eastern Conference. So, you know, always a plus. Carter Hart, the youngest goalie in franchise history, uh, to record a shutout in the playoffs. So, you know, awesome. Back to the birds. So a couple notes from today's practice, all right? The first team wide receivers were uh, Deshaun Jackson, Jalen Rager, Greg Ward. Now, again, we touched on this last week. This is just my opinion. Uh, Jalen Rager, if you take out – resume right guys like Alshon Jeffrey Deshaun Jackson if you just look right now in terms of pure talent how they can impact this team in 2020 as it stands Jalen Rager is the best wide receiver on this team in my opinion it is not a shocker to see him out there as a first team wide receiver you know and again these things kind of get moved around in practice a lot because you know coaches want to see they want to give everybody everybody a shot 
see how everything looks, move things around a little bit, much like in hockey. And you know, it, when when teams will, you know, like Elaine Vigneault for the Flyers, he'll tweak lines and everything. Hey, let's see what works, what looks best. You know, so I don't. I wouldn't take this as Greg Ward is going to be a starter come week one against the Washington football team. I don't think that's going to be it. I don't. You know, Deshaun Jackson, Jalen Rager, not a surprise. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside did not practice today, has an apparent leg injury, had a sleeve on his leg reportedly, so he was out. Nate Sudfeld was quarterback in the second team. Jalen Hurts was getting third-team reps. Look, again, and I, I did an entire episode on how much I hated the Jalen Hurts pick. But don't – I wouldn't read too much into this, okay? This is the guy's first practice. It's not surprising at all that the backup that has been there for years in Nate Sudfeld has taken second-team reps, and the rookie, who hasn't done a damn thing, is, is quarterback in the third team. That's the way it is. That's the way it's going to be. The big one is Javon Hargrave. Big free agent acquisition, former defensive tackle of Pittsburgh, brought in defensive tackle depth will reportedly miss multiple weeks with what's noted as an upper body injury. And this, he's going to miss a significant amount of time based on every report. And again, for, for this, this is so important because again, this, the injury bug constantly seems like it hovers around this team and you got to commend Howie Roseman for going out and getting depth at important positions. That's what Javon Hargrave was because you've got obviously Fletcher Cox who is, you know, it, aside from Aaron Donald, the best defensive tackle in the business. You got Malik Jackson, you brought him in. Javon Hargrave was a luxury pickup, and it's a damn good one, but now he's going to be missing multiple weeks, you know, again, with an upper body injury. So that, that you know, this, this injury bug, the albatross, constantly continues to hover around this franchise, and it sucks, but, you know, we're used to it as Eagles fans. Derek Barnett is week to week. He's got a lower body injury. Jason Peters is day-to-day with a lower body injury. So Matt Pryor is getting the starting reps at right guard today. Now, it's funny to me looking at these injuries because it, it just sounds like hockey, upper body, lower body injury. You know what I mean? So, But nonetheless, those are the guys that missed practice today. Hargrave going to be out for a while. Same with Barnett. Peters should be returning to action this week. Carson Wentz is reportedly up to 250 pounds. He was 237 last year. That's a good thing. Hopefully less chance of an injury, right? Everybody wants to knock my guy for being injury prone all the time and getting hurt. You put some pounds on, it should and 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 don't get it twisted. You know, Wentz is Wentz is far from a pussy, right? He's he's ballsy. He gets out there and he does his thing. That's why he's perfect for this fan base. But adding a couple extra pounds is not a bad thing from a durability standpoint. So those are just a couple notes from today's practice. Again, this is the first day one padded practice. You know, if you ever play, you know, played, you remember kind of early August, that feel, you know what I mean? It's that time of year. It's that time of year. You know, I kind of get the little, the butterflies every, every, every early August myself because I remember two-a-days and things of that nature. You know, so that's where we're, we're getting there. We're close to football season, people. Hopefully... Hopefully, once we get there, everything goes well. <clears throat> so, the big thing around this team now, over the past week. Sorry about that. Live gulp of monster. Had to wet the pipes. So, 
George Kittle of the San Francisco 49ers, Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs, have both been given contract extensions. Okay, so now the natural question is, what does this mean for Zach Ertz? So if you trace it back to March, when free agency began in the midst of COVID, Austin Hooper, formerly of the Atlanta Falcons, he began this offseason as the highest paid tight end, okay, which is just wild when you think about it in terms of annual value, right? He signs a four-year, $42 million contract with Cleveland. That gives him an annual value of $10.5 million annually. Zach Ertz was reportedly <clears throat> offered a deal more lucrative than what Cleveland gave Hooper to come in, and Ertz reportedly turned it down. Now, you fast forward all these months later, Kittle signs. San Francisco re-ups him for another five years, $75 million. That's an average annual value of $15 million a year. Travis Kelsey's contract extension, four years, $57 million for about $14.25 million annually, right? Pretty team-friendly deal when you really, really examine it. Now, so what does this mean for Zach Ertz, right? Let's look at, first of all, what where are they at in their careers, okay? You look at Travis Kelsey – Zach Ertz came out in the same draft. Right now, as it stands today, Travis Kelsey's 30 years old. Zach Ertz is 29. George Kittle's 26. 26 years old. And you can say, I mean, look, if we're if we're a group of buddies and we're all hanging out and you're three, four years younger, that's not that big a deal. Unless you're like in an elementary school playground, right? Because when you're in fifth grade, you think first graders are like pieces of shit, okay? But if we're like a group of buddies and you're four years younger or four years older, it's not that big of a difference. But when you take it to the to the prism of a, a, a collision sport in football, those three, four years absolutely matter. Don't kid yourself. That's a lot of... <laughs> A lot of hits, a lot of beatings that, you know, the younger guy is going to have more ahead of him than the older guys, right? It's just, it's common sense. So when you think about it and you look at these past couple years, you look strictly in terms of stat sheet, George Kittle has put up better numbers than Zach Ertz, all right? And you can, you can argue and you can make the assumption even that it's more likely that Kittle's got more upside remaining than Zach Ertz because of that reason, because Zach Ertz is three years older, three, four years older. George Kittle's only 26. Ertz about to turn 30, right? So you can argue that, that we haven't seen possibly Kittle's ceiling yet. Right now he is entering his prime. Ertz is kind of, you know, we're, we might be coming down the other end of the apex here, possibly. Not knocking Ertz. Just looking at the age factor, right? And when you look at not only what they bring to the table from from a stat sheet standpoint, fantasy-wise, George Kittle is much more willing and able to contribute in pass pro. He's willing to block. He's kind of like having another offensive lineman out there. He's like an extension of Mike McGlinchey, if you're that, if you're along that San Francisco offensive line, he can just move a little better, obviously, because he's not an offensive lineman. He's a tight end. But he's more willing to block than Zach Ertz is. Now, Ertz has improved, 
But he's not, he doesn't have that nastiness in him that Kittle does, where he'll get down and he'll block for you. Right? And I think it's it's when you look at it, the the top three tight ends in these these league the league is absolutely Kittle, Kelsey, Ertz. Okay? Whatever order you have them in. I go Kittle one, Kelsey two, Ertz three. But this is just kind of to decipher where they all are right now as we enter 2020. So that's Ertz juxtaposed to George Kittle. Now, when you look at Travis Kelsey, again, they both came out in the 2013 draft. They both were given contract extensions in the 2016 offseason. And since then, Kelsey's put up better numbers than Zach Ertz as well. The receptions are kind of comparable. They basically have the same amount of reception. I think Kelsey has maybe 12 more receptions than Zach Ertz does. You know, so whatever, drop in the bucket. But Kelsey does have over 1,000 more receiving yards than Zach Ertz does in that time. Now, you know, again, if you look at it, because Zach Ertz came to this team, Carson Wentz wasn't here in 2013. He got that extension in 2016. That was Wentz's rookie year. Him, His numbers began to jump off the page at you, Zach Ertz's did, when Carson Wentz came to town. When Wentz came to Philly, he and Ertz linked up. They became BFFs on the field, man. Those two are inseparable. There's a reason why Zach Ertz is so damn valuable to this team, and he is. Again, I'm not knocking him. Okay? I'm just saying that out of the top three tight ends, which Ertz came out and had a quote, you know, I think I'm up there with those guys, and he absolutely is. I just think he's the third one of the three, and I don't think that's up for debate. I think you can – you can argue Kittle or uh, Kittle or Kelsey one two. I don't think you can argue Ertz at three. I think you cement Ertz at three, and you can flip flop one for the other. Again, I go Kittle one, Kelsey two. Now, so that's when Ertz kind of started to pad the stat sheet when he became super viable in terms of a fantasy asset, putting up numbers, things of that nature, becoming nationally relevant to everybody, not just this fan base. So his contract, Zach Ertz's, is such that his cap hit this year and next year, his contract expires after the 2021 season, his contract cap hit for the next two years is roughly $12.5 million, okay, for a team that, let's be honest, could afford to free up some cap space. And Howie Roseman is a fucking wizard at that. Howie Roseman can maneuver some stuff and make it work, okay? He's done it before. I'm sure he'll do it again. But – when you look at it, there's one thing that Kansas City and San Francisco don't have, and that's Dallas Goddard. You, it, it, without going to Google, can you name the backup tight end to Travis Kelsey in Kansas City and George Kittle in San Francisco? I can't. If I go to Google and look it up, I'm sure I'll I mean, I'll know the name. Ah, oh, shit, that's right. But I can't off the top of my head go, yeah, it's that guy. You know? You know that one-two punch that we've got in Ertz and Goddard. Everybody does. Everybody does. <clears throat> when you look currently, Ertz sits fifth in franchise history in receiving yards. 64 receptions as well behind Harold Carmichael for the most in team history. So he's got the legacy, man, Zach Ertz does. I just When you look at their game, right, when you compare Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, 
and Goddard's younger. Goddard's around George Kittle's age. Maybe, may even be a year younger. I'm not sure. I'd have to look it up. But he's younger. Okay, so he's got that. And again, he's been in the timeshare with Zach Ertz. So he doesn't have kind of, he's got those seasons, yes, but he doesn't have a full workload. You know what I mean? So, and when I watch Zach Ertz, much as I love the guy, much as he's done for this team, I don't think he has that mean streak in him, that dirty work, that grit. Dallas Goddard will thump you. It's still amazing to me. We touched on it last week. It's crazy to me that he got knocked out in a bar. It's crazy. I mean, it was a sucker punch, but Goddard is willing to do the more physical shit more than Zach Ertz is. Goddard always finds his way open just like Zach Ertz does. To me, they're comparable in the passing game. Ertz may be a little quicker, you know, but Goddard's willing to get filthy. Zach Ertz, there's plenty of times where I've watched him. If you watch games, and he'll get taken down first, first contact. He'll it, it, a, a corner that's you know five eleven, a buck ninety is taking him down as big as he is. That should not happen. Lower your pads, thump his ass. You know, I'm not the guy that's going to advocate for fight for you know when you've got four guys corralling you to fight for an extra half yard because, you know, for the strip fumble and things of that nature, it's a risk sometimes. But if you can lower the boom on a guy and keep it moving, that's what it is. It's football. You know, this ain't golf, you know, where you get a polite clap at the end. That's not what this is. This is football. Lower your pads. Hit a guy. Goddard, I see more of that than him than I do Zach Ertz, and I'm not calling Zach Ertz a bitch. I'm not saying he's soft. I'm just saying I see more of that in Goddard's game than I do Zach Ertz. But I'm not taking anything away from Zach Ertz in terms of what he means to this franchise because he's an absolute legend. Scored the the eventual game-winning touchdown in Super Bowl 52. You know, I think he's in the conversation of guys whose number you may retire eventually. He's more than likely if he has another season like he like he's been having, he's going to pass Harold Carmichael this year for the most receptions in franchise history. That's worth something. That's worth something. So I'm not saying you just kick a guy to the curb like that or leave him on a firehouse step like an unwanted baby. But when you look at it, and if he's turning down contracts that are, you know, between what Austin Hooper got for Cleveland and what Kittle and Kelsey eventually got. You have you've got to look at it when Jamal Adams just got two first rounders from Seattle. The Jets set Jamal Adams to Seattle for two first rounders. I believe a third rounder as well. But the two first rounders is the most important thing. It, it in a defense that Jamal Adams doesn't even fit like a glove in. You mean to tell me Zach Ertz can't land you one first rounder? There's no way he doesn't. But if you're going to do it, you got to do it soon or in the next couple off seasons. I'm not saying you send him away now when I say soon. All right? But before this contract expires, before he hits 34 years old, you know, which is after his contract would expire. Anyway, but you get my point. You can get value back for Zach Ertz. If, if this is the card he wants to play, now again, there's the luxury of – Zach Ertz isn't holding out. 
Okay, he's a practice today. He's not he's not doing the Le'Veon Bell deal or anything like that or Melvin Gordon. He's there. And credit him for that. Because he signed a contract, right? And he's still making damn good money. But allegedly turning a deal down worth more than that ten and a half million a year that Hooper's getting from Cleveland tells you where he's at. He wants to get closer to Kelsey and Kittle money. And my question is, can this team afford it? Because when you've got a guy like Dallas Goddard on the roster, you have bigger needs on this team than tight end. You just do. Let's just say hypothetically here, <clears throat> you do trade Zach Ertz. And now you have Dallas Goddard as your starter. You can go and get you a guy. You can get a solid tight end, a second tight end in the in the fourth and fifth round of the draft. It's probably not going to be somebody that sets the world on fire. Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, guys like that, were late-round picks. They're the outliers. You know, but guys like Mike Gesicki every year in Miami, shout out Penn State, they go in the second round every year. You know, Cole Komet this past year out of Notre Dame. So you can, excuse me, <laughs> I've been holding that in. I've been holding it in. I knew eventually it was going to cut out. I was trying to get the hell out of here before it did, but there you go, kids. There's a burp. Um, <laughs> you can get you a second tight end. It's, I, I don't want, I mean, again, it, it, they're not, they don't fucking grow on trees to the elite level. But there's guys every year that go in those middle rounds that can come in and contribute. Albert O that just went to Denver, I think, in like the fifth round. He was a great tight end in college in Missouri. You know, didn't put up the numbers this past year, but still, you can go and get a guy. I'm not saying you send Zach Ertz away now. I'm just saying if it happens, do not be pissed off. Start to start to kind of, you know. Come to terms with this is something that may or may may happen. If it does, please I wouldn't. People are going to do it anyway because it's twenty twenty, blowing up Twitter and everything else. Oh, how can we do it? Look, this is a business. At the end of the day, if 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 Reggie White can walk in free agency, anybody can get traded. Okay, and I get that was an outlying, you know, an outlier of a situation as well because Norm Brayman was a cheap fuck. But point being, worse things have happened to this team over the years. Okay. There is no immediate, we have to lock Zach Ertz down now, wait. And I think that's what Howie Roseman's going to do. But as you wait, consider all your options, is what I'm saying. Because I don't think that Dallas Goddard is the starting tight end for this team is the worst idea ever. I don't. And I fucking love Zach Ertz. I own his jersey. I love the guy. Okay? But... When you look at the entire situation, this team's starting to get up against the cap. The cap probably isn't going to go up. And if it does, it definitely won't go up as much next year as it did, you know, as it typically does because you got a lot of teams that aren't – you're not going to have teams that have fans at the stadium. So they're not going to be bringing as much money in. The cap's not going to go up as much. So, therefore, the birds are still going to be up against cap a little bit. You know, there's a little wiggle room in there. Howie Roseman can make it work. But you have to weigh all your options. Do not rush this thing. He's not putting any pressure on you. And it's become this competition now amongst position groups. I want to be the highest paid this. 
you know, if you're a tight end, I want to be the highest paid tight end. Look at the quarterback market. I mean, the fact that Austin Hooper for even 10 minutes was the highest paid tight end in the league is fucking offensive. And I like Austin Hooper. He's a fine player. You know, but when you think tight ends, really him? You know, think about it in terms of fantasy, right? Fantasy football nerds out there like me. Tight end is the biggest crapshoot of a position. You've got the big three, Kelsey, Kittle, Ertz. Mark Andrews is kind of slowly creeping his way back into that territory. Darren Waller had a big year last year. I don't think that's going to repeat, though. I think he's kind of like a Gary Barnage. But that's the toughest position to predict when it comes to fantasy. You've got those three guys and everybody else. But what I'm saying is out of those three guys, I do not think that Zach Ertz is on the same level as a George Kittle, as a Travis Kelsey. What say you? Hit me up at Grease Pole Podcast on Instagram. Your comments, your feedback is always welcome. Let me know your opinion. Would uh, Dallas Goddard, being the starting tight end, offend you? I mean, again, this is one of those things. Just, just wait. Just wait. It's all good. There is no rush. He's under contract for two more years. It's going to be okay. However this one plays out, it's going to be okay. I know it's popular to have strong opinions on these things, in all honesty. If we got the room where we are able to keep him around, that's fine. But even if so, he's going to be around 32 by the time this contract runs up. Remember that. That's all I'm saying. Hit me up, as always, at Grease Pole Podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. Unsubscribe, and then resubscribe. Rate and review Grease Pole Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. New episodes are available every Monday. This has been Episode 16. Flyers uh, Game 4 is tomorrow, 3 o'clock p.m. Puck drops on Game 4. So uh, hopefully the boys can uh, can get it done, take a 3-1 lead against Montreal. Hopefully by the time you know Episode 17 airs next week when we reconvene, hopefully the Flyers will have already moved on to the semifinals and we can all uh, eat, drink, and be merry. So in the meantime, uh, go Flyers in terms of pucks up in Toronto. And I will see you back here next Monday for episode 17 of the Grease Paul podcast. As always, go Birds. Yo, how'd Barkley put it? <laughs> Looking like another Grease Paul night in Philly. 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 Philly.